All right, so we talked about the move to Memphis for a couple days. The Big 12 move is coming soon. Hoop season hasn't started yet, and I guess there's no football for any of the Cougs this weekend. Wait, wait, is there? Welcome to Locked on Cougs, the daily podcast all about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach Parker Ainsworth, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater who came to stop by, be sure to hit subscribe and download the podcast each day for the latest on the Cougs all year long. If you're subscribed, our show will pop up in your feed each day. Make sure Locked on Cougs is your first listen of the day. All right, so today we have our first alumni check-in of the year. I like to do these things to kind of shine some light on the alums that we've all enjoyed watching when they came through the third ward. And to kind of reiterate that we're one of those big programs just like anyone else. We talked in the last episode about how we're moving into the Big 12 and going to be one of these big programs. But we've got the alumni to prove it as well. If that school in Austin can get all the attention they do and go several years without having anyone draft in the NBA or the NFL – why, why can't we have the same kind of shine? Now, today, we're going to talk about some updates in our first segment from Ed Oliver. Our second segment will be on William Jackson III. And our third segment will be on Elandon Roberts. And after all of that, we're going to go back and see what we predict to happen for each of the three guys this weekend. But first, let's get started with Ed Oliver. We start with Ed Oliver because he's like a Houstonian through and through after a standout high school career at Westfield High School. He came to the Cougs and was the first ever signee with a five-star rating by ESPN Recruiting Services. Oliver showed up to play for Tom Herman, finished the pair of seasons under Major Applewhite. The U of H won seven or more games in all three seasons he was there. and both of his full seasons, he had five or more sacks and 16 or more tackles for losses as an interior lineman. He's as good as you can realistically expect from an inside defensive player. Famously, obviously, Ed Oliver missed a chunk of his junior season, hurt, and then eventually left school early. I mean, who could forget the whole thing with him on the sideline and Major Applewhite and the jacket and all that fiasco? First of all, I say, A, those were very, very cool jackets. So I get why Ed Oliver wants to wear his jacket in the Houston Swamp. And also, I don't think it's a great look at a major back if we're going to revisit that thing or sitting here in Ed Oliver. It was not a great look on major, in my opinion, to go after his, you know, the most highly touted players we just said to have come through school in at least a very long time, at least at long, as ESPN had been ranking recruits. I guess I should get off that. That was years ago. I don't know why I'm so upset about it. I, here's why I'm still upset about it. That jacket was sweet. That was not a big deal. I don't know why Major made that single jacket thing such a big deal and why that thing blew up. Why am I reading about the Cougs and some jackets on ESPN.com all the time? Anyway, for what it's worth, I do tend to be a player in those kinds of things. It's just a jacket. Chill out, Major. Today, we're going to talk about Ed Oliver, who got drafted to Buffalo in 2019, uh, become a key cog in an AFC powerhouse, and one of the most important defensive players on a team that many of the betters in Vegas think has a chance to win the Super Bowl. Now, heading into week six, we have to point out that Ed Oliver had only played in one game this season, played against the LA Rams to start the year. Uh, He did have an ankle injury, and it does not feel like it's one of those injuries where he was like, sitting out to be healthy for later dates. Kind of like when he got hurt at Houston, it felt like he might be sitting out to be healthy for the draft. There's not sitting out to be healthy for later dates for the Buffalo Bills. While, yes, they have their eyes set on January and February, potentially, that's not necessarily the kind of thing that you're going to sit out mid-season games for. So, it Oliver has this ankle injury, and it seems like the Bills' depth chart was really hurting. At one point, in their first five defensive tackles, they would play in a football game. They only had one 
healthy. Uh, the Bills' lone loss this season amidst all these injuries on the defense side of the football was in Miami in a game that I think you'll remember, A, because it was the first of Tua's potentially two concussions, but moreover because it was a game played in the swamp and the Bills kind of ran out of juice. And I think in that game, they might have needed Ed Oliver down the stretch, not just to get after pass rush and those kinds of things, but also just from the depth perspective, right? If we remember that game, it was, you know, like 110 with crazy high humidity and they're playing at the middle of the day and everyone's just gassed when the game ends, dehydration levels off the charts. And Buffalo really, really did, if you remember, like run out of time. They didn't have time to spike the ball and get a field goal off. And that was how close that team is. They ran out of time in a 60-minute game. Otherwise, they might be undefeated even with all of these injuries. That's not to say they don't need Ed Oliver or that he is just a body to fill in. He's a very, very good football player. We'll get to that in a second. But across the board, they have been hurting and still very good. And so adding a guy like Ed Oliver from a Houston perspective is only going to increase their championship odds. The Super Bowl odds only go up when Ed Oliver's on the field. Now, it was declared that Ed Oliver would play in the Pittsburgh game. He didn't quite play his normal amount of snaps, but he was popping the sled and bouncing back in practice on Friday and looked relatively good to go with no contact, and so he got out there on the football game. That being said, Ed Oliver's not really quite himself. His pro football focus grade, which I do tend to lean, lean on on things that I don't necessarily get to like watch the All-22 or things I'm like having trouble breaking down because it's just so much football and I only have so many gigabytes. And frankly, I'm trying to focus a lot more on the current Cougs than the past Cougs. But they gave him a 50.3. I do have to say I watched that game, and I feel like that's being kind of generous because, bluntly, his thing is rushing the passer, and they very, very quickly were getting into like you know, rushing Kenny Pickett every play, and he was being used more as an interior non-pass rushing defensive type of player, which was interesting. I can't tell that's because his ankle's not quite healthy enough to get off the ball, you know, get off the blocks and those kinds of things, or if he's more of a, like, right, like a pound it, sit of front kind of guy right now with based on the defense they're playing. We haven't seen him in a healthy we haven't seen him healthy in a healthy front seven enough to really tell if Buffalo is changing things or if that was just because of the injury. Pro Football Focus did give him a 50.3 overall with a 50.1 in the pass rush and a 58.5 grade on his runs. Now, I'd say like in the 70s is passing, but you'll also see sometimes they give high 60s passing based on the kinds of plays that they were seeing. I'd say that considering that Pittsburgh was down so much so early, and that they're a very good team at running the football, getting a 58.5 on the run as interior defensive lineman coming off an injury is probably better than we think, especially when we look at like the only other healthy game he had this season. Against Los Angeles, he scored a 63.5, which is, again, like 13 points higher, but he had a 72.2 on the pass rushing side of things and a 49.7 on the rush side of things, right? So playing the run there is not so great for him. That's not really, it's, I know odd to think of an interior defensive lineman like this, but he's actually a much better pass rusher. He's great with his hands, feet. And we remember him being a great athlete when he came through Houston. He's a bunch better pass rusher from the inside than he is a run player because the expectations on those guys for playing against the run are so high. That's just not really the same. It's not his bag. He makes himself and separates himself makes his money, I should say, and separates himself as a pass rusher. Last season, when you know that you know magical season they almost had, where they got cut short by the Kansas City Chiefs, he had a 71.8. I am encouraged that he's back out there and that you know he's playing the run maybe better than he started the year off. And hopefully, as we continue to see the ankle get healthier and healthier over the course of the season, maybe that pass rush starts to come back. I say all that completely acknowledging that at the end of the day, truthfully. Ankle injuries suffered early in the season 
kind of just linger for a long time. So maybe he's not ever fully himself. But if he can get back to like close to himself, right? If he can get up into the high 60s where he was a 70 almost two last season on Pro Football Focus, or if he can get that pass rush up to where it's again his strength like it used to be. All of a sudden, that Buffalo Bills defense looks really, really good. And frankly, they already looked really good when the defense was playing kind of so-so. So if he's going to be making the defense really, really good, they may really, really win the Super Bowl like all those Vegas odds suppose. Speaking of Vegas odds and supposing, BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles, and analysis on every game you can find. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information and live betting with up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games, events, including Major League Baseball, the playoffs are happening right now as we speak, the MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. I have to say, if we're picking one game in a weekend that the Cougs don't play, and this may just be because Kansas kind of embarrassed the Cougs a couple weeks ago, but they've got Oklahoma at minus nine versus Kansas this weekend, and I, I may just be higher on Kansas even without Jalen Daniels after a couple weeks ago because I was really, really impressed and they beat Houston, but I'm certainly looking at that one as a game to keep your eye on. Let's say, again, they got Oklahoma at minus nine over Kansas. I would keep my eye on that one in the Houston Cougars by week. Speaking of bye weeks, I guess we should probably also talk about William Jackson III, who may get a lot more bye weeks as the season continues. Uh, Jackson, when he got to the third ward, I guess a couple seasons after Trinity Valley Community College, uh, he had a great season in a single season. Houston shot out draft boards before ultimately getting picked by Cincinnati in the 24th overall pick in the 2016 draft. He injured his knee and actually missed his entire rookie season. But after a handful of years there, including that spectacular quasi-rookie season in 2017, uh, he was a starting corner before signing with Washington in 2021. Jackson has had a handful of interceptions in his career, and uh, his career is kind of taken a turn, especially after getting benched mid-game against Tennessee on Sunday. Now, his pro football focus breakdown, we're going to continue to use those grades as some sort of a bar of measurement, was a whopping 35.9. Now, I have mentioned before that I am a teacher. I can tell you right now for a fact that regardless of what your grading scale is, a 35.9 is not very good. He was a 46.8 in the run, a 23.2 in the pass, and a 40.7 in coverage. Now, each of those, respectively, is just not great. I, I have to say that, you know, bluntly, the only one I even consider acceptable would be being a 46.8 and run because he's a field side corner and that's just a lot of space and not a traditional run player by any stretch. For reference as to how well he has played before, that quasi-rookie year that was kind of historic in Cincinnati, right? His first year, he gets hurt. His first actual year on the field, he had a 90.2 overall. He was a 68.3 against the run and a 90.4 in coverage. That's excellent. That's top of the league, Pro Bowl caliber excellent. I guess technically he didn't actually make the Pro Bowl that year, which qualified like Akid Tlaib and Marcus Peters and Stephon Gilmore and other guys that may end up in the Hall of Fame were ahead of him, but I have to say that that was that kind of a season. It's been a slow and steady fall from grace until the weekend where, again, 35.9 with a 40.7 in coverage. And that means, you know, overall that he was only doing the right thing to the best of his ability as it appeared on screen, 35.9% of plays. That means he's either out of position, inside, supposed to be outside, bad leverage for a tackle, etc. That's not great. Now, Jackson himself 
blamed it on a bad disc in his back. Something about a like displaced, bulging disc. It's hard to get a real read there without any sort of a doctor's note, air quotes. But I have to say that the interesting thing to me as the Houston Cougar fan is that that's the Jackson story. And Ron Rivera said that, quote, he decided to make a change. Now, Rivera has been very, very blunt lately. Over the weekend when asked about what the difference between his Washington Commanders and the rest of the ex- exceeding expectation NFC East is, it, he blamed it on the quarterback plain and simple, which made everyone look at Carson Wentz kind of funny. That blunt mood does not make me feel super highly on the prospects that William Jackson has a strong rest of the season. And that's really, really unfortunate for him as a corner. Corners average career in the NFL is less than three years. The league average for all positions is about three and a half years, a little less than three and a half years. And that means that corners have shorter careers than most across the entirety of the NFL. And unfortunately, that kind of feels like his career might just be over. If it's an injury like his back, or if it's just not playing well, like Rivera said, whatever the case may be, he's played seven years. That's more than two times as long as the average NFL corner, and that's unfortunately not going to be a great sign for like what is to come for William Jackson. And frankly, like while it's not the career necessarily one, especially when you start off with that great first season in the NFL, it is a long career in the NFL by every standard, and that doesn't take away any of the things he did when he was in Houston. Like he had the big, like I remember him from the like the pick six against Vandy. He's weaving it out of defenders and kind of weaves all the way back across the field. It, I looked up pick six to make sure I had the right team he was playing against, and that he also had a pick six against Texas State when he jumps out routes really, really pretty as well. He played fantastic in the Florida State game in his lone season at Houston. Across the board, it's very safe to say that his legacy and impact on football is not lost by any stretch if this is indeed the end. And kind of based on the things Rivera said, it feels like it might be the end from the Washington perspective. And based on the things that Will Jackson said, it feels like something might be wrong with his body and it might just be time to hang it up as well. Now, if he doesn't want to and Rivera just doesn't end up playing him, I could see him trying some like sort of a vet minimum kind of thing across somewhere else, saying for a low-level kind of contract on some other team and being able to very quickly blame, like, look at how atrociously the Washington football team is, I guess the Washington commanders now, the commandos, commandees, uh, the commies, the, the Washington commanders are now, anyway, I could see him just being like, you know, that's a really, really bad system and team and franchise, and I had to get out of there because it was hurting me and my body and not worth it. I, I could see that being somewhere down the line, but I imagine this is a bad sign, the fact that he's not going to finish that three-year contract he signed 21 in Washington, and that may mean that he doesn't get another big contract if he gets another multi-year contract at all. That leads us into Elandon Roberts. Roberts is a Port Arthur Memorial product who came just down the road to Houston after a single season at Morgan State. After he returned home to the H down in the third war, Roberts best known for being a hardworking linebacker that worked his way up to leading the American Conference with 142 tackles as a senior. He was drafted in 2016 by New England, where the same kind of work ethic led to being a starter for the 2018 Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. He was also elected to be the team captain the following year and even started as a Patriot fullback in short yards kind of situations. Fun fact there, he got a touchdown pass against Miami from one Tom Brady. Now the Dolphins must have liked what they saw when he caught the touchdown pass from Tom Brady because the next season in 2020 they signed him. Uh, this season has been, uh, he had a rough first outing we'll say. His first healthy snaps were yeah, against a chaotic heated game in Buffalo. Now in his most recent game, his Dolphins got kind of pushed around 
by the Jets. Now, Pro Football Focus gave him a 56.4. I think it's worth pointing out that in run defense and tackling, he got very different grades. His run defensive grade was a 50 and even 50, and his uh, tackling grade was a 63.4. In coverage, they gave him as high as a 68.6, which I think is interesting because when I think of how that game went, I think of the Jets as kind of picking them apart, and it was kind of this like coming out party for Zach Wilson or whatever. However, that's clearly not the way that it played out for Landon Roberts himself. Um, I, I think what's interesting is this, in looking at the season as a whole for Miami, right? Landon Roberts sits here as the Miami Dolphins are 3-2. and two. The big story with them has continued to be injuries. Now, what's interesting there is the injuries that everyone's talking about are on the offensive side of the ball, right? We're all thinking about Tua Tagovailoa. Obviously, we're all hoping that he gets healthy and gets better. We're all thinking about Teddy Bridgewater, hoping that he gets healthy and gets better. We're all, frankly, hoping that Skylar Thompson does not get hurt. But when we think about the defensive side of the ball, you know, the big missing piece for them there has been Xavier Howard in that same defense with Landon Roberts. And, you know, bluntly, I think that may make Landon Roberts' job a little bit easier when he shows back up. Now, obviously, that's like not the most direct comparison. Landon Roberts is playing in the box. He's an inside linebacker, and Xavier Howard's out there on the edge. But in looking at how that would make Roberts' job a little bit easier, you have to think that having someone like Xavier Howard that can take away half the field as a pass coverage kind of guy can then open up things for like forcing the other teams to run the football that rushes teams into Landon Roberts, right? If you think about the way that that helps Landon Roberts out in coverage, all of a sudden you've got a guy that can cover less space or has to cover less space because you've got a guy like Xavier Howard on the other side of the field. Now, I know that we just talked about how great that Landon Roberts played against New York, relatively speaking, I should say, in coverage, but that's not actually been the way his season has gone as a whole. On the season, he's looking at a 36.7 in coverage, and frankly, his highest coverage season was a 56.5. In his best season in New England, the year that they won the Super Bowl, he was a 70. As a, his, his score was a 70 on Pro Football Focus, and he was right 76.3% of the time on run plays. That's really, really high for this. It's hard to get a grade in this. And I feel like all that is to say that if they can get Xavier Howard back, force other teams into running the football, all of a sudden you'll see a very different type of Alain and Roberts. You'll certainly see a different type of production out of Alain and Roberts because they'll be running the ball into his lap. All right, speaking of things falling into your lap, the fun part of this is now falling into your lap. We're going to talk about making some picks for our Cougs this weekend. Now, we open it with Ed Oliver, so let's talk a little bit about Bills and Chiefs. I got to be honest, as I look at this, it's interesting to me that the Bills are favored against the Chiefs on the road. It's the first time Patrick Mahomes has been, I guess, like the underdog at home in his career as a starter, which is fascinating to think about when you think about how successful he's been in his career. But I have to say that with a healthy Ed Oliver coming back and as he continues to get healthier, I kind of get it, right? We saw what Patrick Mahomes looked like running around. We've seen the kind of pass rush impact that Ed Oliver can have. And if Ed Oliver is right, as we hoped he was earlier in the show today, I really, really do think that that could work out. I do take the bills. I weirdly, though, don't know if I take the three and a half points. I probably end up taking Kansas City on the points, but the Bills on the money line 
or overall. And I think what's interesting about this game is, while this is not a divisional opponent, it certainly feels like a preview of an AFC Championship game because it felt like the AFC Championship game a year ago. Now, I know the Kansas City won and then went on and lost to the Cincinnati Bengals last year. However, these two teams play football as well as anyone can play it. And Cincinnati's magical run did involve a lot of like game-winning field goals and those kind of things. Close, close games. And Buffalo is not playing except for the Miami game we alluded to earlier, which yeah, that Oliver missed. They haven't played in a whole lot of close, close games. Kansas City, frankly, had one loss early this season, kind of inexplicably, to the Annapolis Colts, which is probably why they're underdogs at home, right? But as I look at this, I feel like the reason this feels like a preview is not just because of how fun that playoff game was a year ago, but because, bluntly, both teams look like they're starting the year off hot and focused after how fun that playoff game was a year ago. And again, if part of that focus is getting guys like Ed Oliver ready to go, that pass rush could be the same kind of pass rush that we saw Tampa Bay put on Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Or if we've seen anyone, frankly, when they beat up the Chiefs, they get after Patrick Mahomes by getting in his face. Ed Oliver does that from the interior defensive line position, which is as challenging as anyone can do it. So I'm hoping for the best. And if I see the best out of Ed Oliver, I do feel good about the Bills this weekend. I just think the Chiefs play a closer game than that. Speaking of close games, betonline.net has the Commanders and Bears, which features our William Jackson the third. I guess Commanders should say feature our William Jackson the third, and I think they will. I guess we still have to see if he gets back to his role on the field between his bad disc or Ron Rivera saying they just go in a different direction. I don't mean to revisit that totally, but the Commanders and Bears is more or less a pick'em. Now, with that being said, I kind of think I am going to pick against the Commanders. Now, their secondary is in all kinds of shambles, and I know that Ron Rivera may want to blame that on our guy, William Jackson III, but they've got problems. The Bears are at home, and frankly, like there's something to this like Justin Field we all thought we'd get when we saw him come out of college and into the draft, and maybe that guy tears up the beat-up secondary. We're going to go with our man, William Jackson, his definition of what's going on. It's a beat-up secondary, not a secondary that's just bad, as Ron Rivera was pointing out. So if the secondary is beat-up, I'm hoping Justin Fields takes advantage there from placing my bets on the Bears. It's more or less a pick Again, the spread is literally listed at zero. And frankly, this is a Thursday night football game. Thursday night football games can be really ugly. I would say hedge the under because, again, Thursday night football games do tend to be fairly ugly, but I think that Fields gets it done. So in a pick em type situation, I'm going to pick the Bears. Please don't tell William Jackson the third, but I'm picking the Bears on Thursday night. And then on Sunday afternoon, our man Landon Roberts and the Miami Dolphins host the Minnesota Vikings. The Dolphins are a three and a half point underdog, according to Benaline.com. Uh, I have to say what's interesting here is we talk about injuries to William Jackson the third, all those kinds of things. A corner's impact on the game is unfortunately not the biggest impact necessarily. Now, if you have a lockdown corner, all those kinds of things, but you're running the middle corner doesn't have the same kind of impact on a game as the Miami Dolphins being down not one, but two quarterbacks with major head injuries. Again, we're hoping for the best for Tua and Teddy Bridgewater, frankly, but Landon Roberts and the Miami Dolphins kind of feel like they might have to pitch a shutout just to have a chance. Now, with that defense, Landon Roberts, if he really turns it around, may end up having that kind of a day. You know, with that defense under Brian Flores a year ago was super, super strong. But for whatever reason, you know, obviously Justin Jefferson started off the year super strong, and Kirk Cousins seemed to have one game a month where he's like, oh my God, it's Kirk Cousins. And the other three games that month, like, oh my God, it's Kirk Cousins. But. With all of that said, I do kind of understand why the Vikings are favored by three and a half points, and I frankly would take them and the points this week when it comes to that game. So I'm going to go with Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to take the three and a half points. I 
I know it's hard to bet against a Coog like Landon Roberts, but I have to feel like I am I, I'm giving out good information here if you're to go with these somewhere. That being said, they do have some Houston area kids. I think worth pointing out. Uh, Danielle Hunter went to Morton Ranch out in Katy, Texas. Uh, Austin Schlotman, it looks like, went out somewhere high school out in Brenham. I think he went to Brenham High School in Brenham. Is there more than one high school in Brenham, Texas? Brenham High School in Brenham, Texas. And uh, Ross Blaylock is from Missouri City, went to Elkins High School. So shout out to some Houston-born kids, even if they didn't quite get to the U of H. Uh, maybe that's what I'm going with there. If I'm, if I'm picking against Landon there, is that, am I going to go with that? Is that fair? Can we go with that? <laughs> maybe not. If you want to go with me anywhere, you can help us out by downloading and subscribing the Locked on Cougs podcast each and every single day. Make us your first listen so you can check out all things Houston Cougars. Go Cougs. Now, tomorrow we get back to the current Cougars and we look at what the season looks like for them the rest of the way. We are officially at the midway point of our college football season. So as we are six games in, we will look at the last six games of the regular season for the Houston Cougars and see, frankly, game by game, will the Houston Cougars win-lose? What are you predicting? And Will that leave them at a bowl-eligible spot? What types of bowls are we looking at? What kind of season will this last season in the American Conference end up at? Then, just go ahead and preview next week. This weekend, I'm going to get to go watch the Houston Cougars basketball team do some very cool things in the Fertitta Center. If you're there, shout me out. I'll see you. I'll wave. I'll do those kinds of things. If you are not there, you can tune in on Monday of next week for a basketball preview after recapping what the weekend looked like in the Fertitta Center. We hope to have a big, big basketball season this year. So obviously, that's going to be a big deal. That's a lot of fun Houston Cougs stuff coming your way, both to end this week and start next week as well. And then as we wrap that up, we'll also be moving into talking about the Houston versus Navy football game that comes after this bye week. In the meantime, if you're looking to talk to me about the Cougs on Twitter or just about anything Houston sports in general on Twitter or sneakers or whatever, make sure you find me on Twitter and Instagram. My at is at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all types of social media platforms. I'm happy to talk all things, again, Houston sports, Cougs, sneakers, whatever you like. Just make sure you find me there. Hit follow. We'll be able to talk all day long. If you're looking for something else to listen to on Houston Sports Next, may I recommend the Locked On Astros podcast. The Astros are playing the Mariners, and what a fun way to start the series with that Jordan Alvarez home run to wrap up Game 1. Keep on rooting on the Strohs and listen to the Locked On Astros podcast as they take you throughout the rest of the series and hopefully on through to another World Series Championship. Now, again, thank you for making Locked on Cougs your first listen each and every day for all things Houston Cougars. Go Cougs!